When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Russian Doll Season 1. Damask Leary, how are you today? Quite well, thank you. Um, you all, you caught me out having a nap again. <laughs> yeah, right then apparently. Yeah. It took you a little while to respond. Yeah. But this time... Um, I was in my bed. You were. I managed to make it to my bed. So, I had to come know. and basically wake you up. You yep. helpfully left all your doors unlocked, so I could have just robbed the place if I wanted That's to. That's how I roll. <laughs> but thanks for that. You, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very good after seeing your latest episode of Love is a Lie as well, which you should oh, tell the listeners all about. Yes. A new episode of Love is a Lie has been released today. It is on The Wedding Planner. So I had to watch that a bunch of times and talk about it. It was painful. Fucking hate that movie. It's awful. What is Love is a Lie again for the audience? Love is a Lie is a YouTube series in which I do, I guess, comedy critiques and just kind of shit on rom-coms. Now, I'm a big fan of rom-coms, but there's a lot of shitty ones out there. Mm -hmm. So, just poking a bit of fun. And uh, if those out there who want to watch it, just search Hunting Seasons, Love is a Lie in the YouTubes and you shall find it. I, uh, I'm not not a fan of rom-coms. I wouldn't say they're the genre that I go out and watch the most. Mm. I have not seen many of the films that you... Mm -hmm. Are uh, uh, lampooning. Lucky I'm in, you. I'm enjoying the video all the same. So you don't need to have seen the the, epi the movies to enjoy it. But you can certainly, uh, yeah, follow along. Mm. It's very good stuff. Oh. Yeah, they're not complex narratives, so I think you should be able to <laughs> follow along. Uh, some of them are pretty mm. more involved. You know, some of them involve royalty. Yeah. You know, politics. politics. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get into things. Off topic, hot topic. That's whatever you were talking about for you. Off topic, hot topic is our news and views segment. We get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you would like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com, tweeting us at huntingscast, or messaging us on Instagram at huntingseasonspodcast. You know what I've just realised? Yeah. That intro you do yes. is exactly the same every week. Yeah. Even the way that you say it, exactly the same. Sure. Why don't you just record it and put it in later? No, I like what, doing you like it, to do it fresh live? every single time. <laughs> and maybe you haven't noticed, but I added the Instagram thing, so you're wrong. Oh, it you're does right. change. Can you tell? I don't listen to the episodes <laughs> or listen to you when you speak. Uh, news in Fuller. Uh, just a little bit today. Mm. I do follow Brian Fuller on the Twitter. Of course. and it, he It's for your job, mate tweeted one thing today, this week, I should say, mm -hmm. simply in all caps, Ellen Page, mm -hmm. greater than symbol, Chris Pratt. I was like, 
Correct. Well done, Brian yeah, Fuller. It's true. You got something right. In what? Like, why is he bringing that up? What's uh, that about? It's come up recently. She was on uh, the Late Show. That's the one that Stephen Colbert does, right? I believe so. And she was talking about um, calling out people, celebrities, and stuff who are supposedly allies. I think of like the queer community, mm. and maybe talking about how they're involved with. Churches that may be supremely anti oh. the Greek community. And specifically <laughs> mm-hmm. talk, called out Chris Pratt and the church that he goes to. He has since responded, um, but I'm not going to get into the politics Ooh. of that. But I certainly, uh, I think Alan Page is onto something there and I support that notion. He shouldn't have left his wife and become a weird Christian. He, Oh, man, he talked all about this as well. It's interesting. He's put out quite a response recently Ugh, about uh. how the church accepted him, even though he's divorced and the church doesn't recognize divorce or is, you know, against divorce. Anyway. I don't think that's the point when they're yeah, into like gay conversion stuff like that, but whatever. Mm. Uh, some other news I just wanted to bring up briefly. Um, we love communicating with our listeners. We do a little bit of that on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that, which we really mm-hmm. enjoy. And I just wanted to call out, we got an amazing email from uh, a lady named Emily mm-hmm. recently. That is her name. Um, we're going to talk about the email specifically. It was a great, quite in-depth email. She gave us some great suggestions for shows we should watch as well. I showed everyone. I know. I was like, look at this email I got. <laughs> Did you look really? At it. I didn't let them read it because it's it's for you and I alone. Yes. But I was like, just check out the length <laughs> of this. She is a fucking cool chick. She is. And we just want to give her a shout out and say the a reply is coming. Yes. Um, we're just making sure we uh, do it right. I've read so it once, twice, three times a lady. I've read it a lot. <laughs> there is a response coming. I just have been working a shit ton. I sent it to, because I check out the, the email first, usually the account, and I sent it straight to Damask. And she was like, do not reply until I've had a chance to to. Contributor was like, that's fine. Yeah. We're waiting. So, blame Damascus. It's coming, though. <laughs> thank you, Emily, for your email. It's fantastic. But also, thank me for the well-considered response you will receive. True. Yes. Also considered. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, a few headlines in the TV world and the entertainment world in general. Uh, the Deadwood movie, mm. which we've talked about previously, is happening is coming out in spring, apparently, on HBO. No specific date yet, but it is coming. Okay. So, I guess we have to watch that show. I guess we do. Uh, so, that'll probably happen sometime this year. Almost definitely will. Uh, just uh, touching on something I've brought up before as well. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, sorry, this is an article um, from the AV Club. Oliver Whitney wrote this one. A Harry Potter reboot? Probably definitely happening, according to Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, so, yeah. He was talking to IGN. Um, about his new TBS comedy Miracle Workers, which everyone's talked about as being like a rip off the good place. Apparently, mm-hmm. we're heading for a new TV genre of afterlife mm. uh, sort of comedies. And he was speaking about Harry Potter and how he knows he's not going to be the last Harry Potter. There's already been versions of that, obviously, on stage and so forth. Um, but he's convinced there will be some sort of TV or adaptation or reboot possibly movie series, something like that in the works, cool. which just confirms my theory that that's definitely happening. I think I put a set of date for 2022 or something like that. I said 10 mm-hmm. years about six years ago. Right. So, I got four years for Daniel's prediction to come true. And right. my prediction I mean, true. it's obviously going to happen. It's just a matter of if I got the time frame right. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. I'm going to, yeah. You're getting into the specifics here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, the Academy, as in the Motion Picture Oscar Awards Academy. Oh, that Academy. All right. Confirms four Oscar presentations set for commercial breaks. Mm. Uh, Do we know what they are? Yes. The awards will be Best Film Editing, Live Action Short, Makeup and Hairstyling, and Cinematography. Now, can correct me on this. Mm-hmm. Did they 
already go back on the editing one? Because I think I might have saw- seen something about that. Well, I don't know if they've gone back on it. I don't think so. There's, I, I, what, I, they sh- at the very least, and I believe that all of these things deserve to have their time during the broadcast, but film editing and cinematography They're seem pretty, pretty freaking <laughs> important in yeah. terms of how a movie sort of comes together and we get to see it mm. moving images. Um, so I, it, I find like the fact they're just going to, it feels like they're concentrating more on the celebrity side of things, like no. the recognizable names. Ugh. This is shaping up. I've been having a Twitter a text back and forth with our good friend Hannah Dallas. This mm-hmm. and we have an Oscars party every year. It's we coming do. up soon. Looking forward to it. Got to find up. something to wear. Yep. Yep. Uh, this is shaping up to be the worst Oscars presentation in years, and that is saying something. It's going to be a disaster. I'm really looking forward to it. They don't have a host. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the part, big, big reason they're doing this, and they talk go into a little bit more detail. The winning speeches will be edited to remove the winners walk from their seats to the stage, and each speech will be aired separately later in the telecast. So it will be there, but it'll be a shortened version of it. Probably just like, and while you weren't watching, this person went for cinematography. Right. Here's a little excerpt. Um, the organization's board of governors has committed to a three-hour show this year. So this is the reason they're cutting it out because they're trying to make it run faster because it always you know, mm. bloats out and goes forever. How do right. you feel about that? I, I mean, either people are watching it for the spectacle or they're not watching it at all. Yeah. So give the people that are watching it the spectacle they want and deserve, is my opinion on that well, one. Well, just if it's going to be an awards ceremony and it's going to be celebrating film, there's more Give me a goddamn ceremony. Yeah. It's got to be ceremonious. I don't know. Uh, Aziz Ansari addresses sexual misconduct allegations on stage, hopes he's become a better person. This is another article from um, Oliver Whitney at mm. AV Club. Maybe we should get just him to host the podcast. Jeez. <laughs> oh, he's happened to be the person that's writing the articles, mm. I find. Um, so we've talked about this before. Um, I'll read a little bit of the article. It's been over a year since Aziz Ansari addressed the sexual assault allegations against him after an anonymous woman accused the comedian of pressuring her in a sexual encounter in a report published on Babe.net. Can't remember when we talked about this, but at the time, I think. Before his international stand-up tour kicks off later this spring, Ansari has been trying out new material in a series of small pop-up shows. On Monday night, the Parks and Recreation star returned to the Comedy Cellars Village underground venue, recording to Vulture that he finally brought up the allegations. Things reportedly turned more serious when Ansari allegedly sat down the stage. Vulture reports that the comedian explained he took time to process and figure out what he wanted to say publicly, adding how terrifying it was to talk about the allegations on stage. Mm. Quote him, There were times I felt really upset and humiliated and embarrassed, and ultimately I just felt terrible this person felt this way, he said, alluding to the woman identified only as Grace in the Babe.net article. In the time that's passed since the allegation, Azari said he hopes... It was a step forward and spoke that the perspective it's given him, of the perspective it's given him on his life. It made me think about a lot and I hope I've become a better person. The comedian also recalled a conversation he had with a male friend who said he's reevaluated his own encounters and dates with women since the Ansari allegation. If that has made not just me, but other guys think about this, Ansari said, and just be more thoughtful and aware and willing to go that extra mile and make sure someone else is comfortable in that moment, that's a good thing. How do you feel about those statements? Good. That's good, They right? sound pretty good. Yeah. I think, I mean, I wasn't there, but that's on paper, that sounds really good to me. Mm. Yeah. It's the right lessons to be taking away from it. That's what you want. That's all. It's not about like, I'm not about lynching people for making mistakes. Sure. Um, so, I think, you know, taking the time to listen, which is really like 
what all of these, well, a lot of these things that are coming out, you, you want the people to just like sit and listen mm-hmm. to the experiences that they've given to other people and what that means to those people. And yeah, reflect on it and then to communicate it really effectively, I think is a good thing. Absolutely. I don't think there's, yeah, that we hope with all these things when people are called out on this. I mean, some people who are just like straight up rapists can go fuck themselves. Obviously, that's not what I'm talking about, but go on. But yeah, the idea is that we hope that that people have room for growth. What's the point in talking about these things if we don't believe that people can change? Otherwise, Mm. you're just calling out people for being shitty people. Yeah. I don't think that's really the point. The idea is these people, you know, people should be able to grow and change and Mm -hmm. reflect and make a difference. And the thing that's interesting here as well is his whole thing about going away and listening for a while Mm. is exactly the same thing that uh, Louis C.K. said. But instead, when he came back, he just started ripping into the people who criticised him. (laughs) Like, he didn't really do any listening and certainly didn't show any sort of real growth or change from mm. if anything he only became entrenched in sort of the in the people who were supporting it or didn't think it was a big deal yeah um he wasn't listening to the people who were victimized or mm. affected by it affected yeah. by it, exactly whereas this seems more um reassuring and he's got a long way to go in terms of this conversation will continue i think with his tour and stuff this year but it should be really interesting and mm-hmm. if it is positive it makes me a lot more comfortable with the idea of watching Master of None Season 3, which I've generally liked quite a lot, mm-hmm. and seeing what that looks like. You just expect that to be affected Wouldn't by it be well. amazing if, like, this was, like, really genuine and cool and he obviously, like, workshopped the the set or whatever, the show, turned into a Netflix special that was really, like, kind of informative mm. about reflection. That could mm-hmm. be – that's that's the hope. That would be cool. Reach Something a, along those lines. Yeah, a broader audience. Anyway, that was a positive uh, mm, little bit. Hopefully. Uh, other things that are worth bringing up, I sent you – the new Aladdin special look trailer, mm. which you have just watched just most before then. recording. Uh, what did you think of that? As it was going along, I was like, oh, Jafar's voice is a bit funny. <laughs> Not quite as commanding as I would Not like. Not quite as villainous as no. he was in the original. Was it? Aladdin. Silence, Iago. Like a fucking, yeah, great voice. Um, yeah, so that was a bit disappointing. I'm like, well, he doesn't sound very villainous. Sure. Um, as I was going on along, I'm like, cool, kind of got some uh, mummy vibes. Could be a bit of like a cool mm. romp. Um, and then I saw what everyone was talking about. I was like, it's probably not that bad. It was pretty bad. Like he, okay, so here's the thing. It's like the genie we know, mm. very expressive. Mm-hmm. The heart of that movie, mm-hmm. the joy in that movie. Mm-hmm. Will Smith doesn't seem, or this weird digital version of Will Smith, doesn't seem to be moving his face a whole lot. <laughs> Clearly a step was skipped in rendering somewhere along the line because he can't move his face and he just looks awful. Really bad. It's a really terrible first impression on the gene. They've sort mm. of like released these little teasers here and there and this is this is our first glimpse yeah. at Will Smith's genie. Well, as genie. he was like approaching Aladdin, it was just his back and stuff with like his little like cloud bum. Yeah. I was like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. And then it turned around to the face and I was like, oh no, it does not look cool at all. Because there's a still image that was released at the same time basically mm. of, a, of a different shot but of the same scene. And it, I mean, it's a still image, which is not what a movie is, <laughs> but it looks quite good. You look at that and go, oh, if that's what they're going for, yeah, I can see that working. Mm-hmm. So, it's so weird that they chose this bit of footage and went, oh, this is what the gene's going to look like. Hope you like it. And either that's representative of what the rest of the film looks like, in which case, oh, no. Who approved that? But if it's not, then mm. it's like, why did you choose that shot? 
It's just really weird marketing. Why would you, yeah, release? I hope it's like not the finished product, but then why would you release something that isn't the finished product? What, it's such a like the thing people have been waiting for to see like exactly what the gene is going to look like. The other thing is we still haven't had a real trailer for this movie. Mm. So we've had that teaser, which was basically just landscape shots. Yeah. And we've had this special look, mm. right, which is the, re- which ends on the, Here's the kicker. Here's Will Smith's genie, which does not impress if anything turns you off. Mm. And it's like, so when's the actual trailer coming, guys? <laughs> and what's that going to look like? It's I don't know. Is this like, let's get the bad news out of the way first so that when the actual trailer comes and we put the good stuff mm. in it, people can just concentrate on how good that stuff is. I like that they're just know. trying to beat us down with marketing to lower our expectations. <laughs> is, that, is that what it I is? I mean, that's a strategy. That's one <laughs> way to do it. Don't make a good product. Just like assault people's eyes. And hopes so that they just give up. That's cool. <laughs> my my other takeaway from this is, guys, this is why we have animated movies. It's so mm. we don't have to try and make weird blue Will Smith monsters <laughs> into genies. We can just have gorgeously animated, hand-drawn... Mm. Uh, uh, I've forgotten his name all of a sudden. Who was the Robin original? Williams? Robin Williams. Wow. I knew Williams. I forgot Robin. Anyway. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, Clearly that- died in vain. <laughs> forgotten already. How dare you? Oh, no, I feel really bad about that one. Yeah, good. Uh, but like, see, yeah, yeah, the hand-drawn animation and Robin Williams' voice and it, like, it's magical. It's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. It works. This is why we have animation to make these things come to life that otherwise maybe just don't work to try and make them look mm. realistic because we get this sort of shit. Be yourself. Uh, what Tell do I know? Tell her the truth. I love that movie. It's so good. <laughs> mayday, mayday. <laughs> That's a great film. Uh, what do you got for us to mask? All right. Now, I've got a question for you. Sure. Have you been to the Captain Marvel website? I ha- uh, I don't know if I've been to it if I've just seen images. Oh, you got to go to oh, it. Oh, really? Because I saw images. So I was like, that's cool. And then I went to it and I was gleeful. <laughs> I was having so much fun. I had this stupid grin on my face. Now, for those that don't know, it is very much a... Early Internet Days website. What yes. was that? Uh, Geo Cities. <clears throat> Sorry, Geo Cities website. Heaps of like flash everywhere. Anyone under Tiny, the age crappy of crappy little media 20s, players not in know the what corner. We're about. Lots of like glittery stars crossing the screen. It's so much fun to look at, and they've got like you know a media section. It's just like bad stills and stuff. It's so much fun. <laughs> just g- please, everyone, go to the Captain Marvel website. It is fun. Such good marketing. And the reason thing. for this, of course, is that so Captain good Marvel marketing. is set during the 90s. Yeah. And so, the idea of this throwback website is very in it's awesome. line with that. And it, it just took me back. Yeah. It really took me back. And I didn't realize how much I missed it. And then I was there. I was like, this is real fun. It's so kitschy. It's great. Um, yeah. I hope the movie does the same. Like, I think the first teaser has her, like, breaking through the roof of a, a blockbuster video, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> they, like that, I'm yeah. looking forward to a lot mm. of that sort of 90s throwback. It's weird that 90s has become retro, but apparently- Speaking of, I was working a gig last night. Oh, not last night, sorry, a couple of nights ago, mm. um, in which S Club 7 and 5 were performing. Oh, oh, yeah. Except it's now S Club 3 and also 5 only has three members. Bit confusing. That is a little bit. Yeah. Um, can I say 5, though? Still killing it. Really? Lots of energy, great performers, fantastic voices. S Club 3, oh, never seen anything more depressing in my oh, life. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not good. It was not good. Uh, five was my little brother's favorite band growing up. Because he's a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore raps and such within their, yeah, lots of raps. I didn't know re- how I remember. Yeah, me five. either. I was like, I feel like they were, were they like a lamer kind of Backstreet Boys? Backstreet Boys? That's what no. I 
like hard call up British rap dudes with singing. I think they may have evolved then. I do not. I, they were very much a boy band when I, no, as like I remember them. Five will make you get down. Five will make you get down, down now. Bring, bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, yeah, that's not hardcore rap. <laughs> when you're a seven year old, <laughs> fucking oath it is. <laughs> fucking sure. oath. No, I don't mean genuinely. Okay, I'm being I facetious. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> All right, so that's enough about the 90s. Um, now I've got some sad news. Oh. Yeah. This is our um, in memoriam section of the show. I've already forgotten the Robin Williams really was. That's <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, got some sad news to report, everyone, so brace yourselves. Um, Oreo, the raccoon who was the model for Rocket Raccoon's face or his facial features has passed away. R.I.P. Oreo, your cute little face broke my heart every time Rocket was sad. Rest in peace. You mean a lot. God bless you. Vale, Oreo. Mm, vale. vale. Mm. Uh, but on another note, I have a r- 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 reality check. R- r- reality check. <laughs> wow, we're nailing that. <laughs> All right, so this. Time I'm talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. The new season has just started. Now, this particular franchise has lost my interest over the past few years, but this first episode, oh, has it piqued my interest? Oh, yes, it has. We have a new castmate in Denise Richards. You know what she's from? Uh, yeah, she's from Bond. Uh, Tomorrow Never Die. No? Uh, there wasn't enough. No, tomorrow. No, the wasn't enough. She's in that. Either way, that's the boring answer. The <laughs> right answer is Starship Troopers. Sure, she's in that too. <laughs> Which is one of my favourite movies as a kid. Wasn't enough. Also, back to one. the 90s. Oh, God, we're getting old. All right. And also, so that's her, the I latest. I definitely had Denise Richards' poster somewhere in my room when I was growing up. Oh, I mean, she defined many aspects of my sexuality. <laughs> Fuck, what a bad. She was married to Charlie Sheen, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, that's and right. And there was a lot of mention of Charlie Sheen. Going back episode, to speaking, going back to the 90s. My God. Anyway. Mm. Um, and also, Brandy Glanville is back. That's right. She is one of my favorite housewives of all time. I had a crush on her years ago when she was um, this young, fresh-faced, new single mum many, many seasons ago. Um, she quickly devolved into someone who clearly had a drinking problem. Way too much filler in her face. But she's back now. Possibly more insane than ever and with heaps more filler. Um, but it's nice to see her. She brings the drama, which is something Beverly Hills has desperately needed ever since Kim left, really. But, uh, yeah, this season looks good. Excellent. There you go. I uh, just remembered what Denise Richards' Bond girl name was. Mm. It was Christmas Jones. So, there were lots of, like, innuendo about, like, Christmas coming early and stuff like that. Uh, that was the caliber of the Pierce yeah. Brosnan days of Bond. Mm. I love it when you, like, a name... Or something is just like clearly written for like one joke. You're like, yeah, worth it. Good job. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, yes, have a bit of personal news. I don't really know if any of the listeners will care. Who cares? Well, I've never worried about I'll, that before. I do want to tell the listeners that Damas mm-hmm. didn't tell me this news beforehand. She just said, "I've got personal news of the podcast." So whatever it is is obviously a bombshell. I don't show. even think Brod's gonna care. It's not like I'm pregnant or anything. Oh, or am I? No, I'm not. <laughs> I have just been accepted into. Masters. I'm going to be doing my masters, everybody, because I've decided. Yes. That working three jobs to support my creative <laughs> desires, um, not really working out for me. So I'm going to masters to do secondary teaching. I'm oh, going to be teaching your kids. That's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. So that's I'll be, very guess exciting. Guess what I'll be teaching? 
media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's right. So I'll be able to oh, talk no. about my favorite thing to the children. You're going to be officially more qualified to talk about this stuff than me. I already am. <laughs> Literally. That's um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even more so. Yes, that's right. I'm gonna uh, rub it in every podcast. I'll like, just... I'll interrupt everything you say and be like, "Well, as an expert, um... <laughs> do you, you know how? I think with a master's, you you would be able to say like your qualification, and to, I'll just have to, have to introduce you, Master I, of Media. I, I'm Damask Leary, Master of Media. Exactly. That's yeah. pretty good. So that's my personal news. So. I guess I'll be busy over the next two years, but after that, hopefully a little less busy, which will be nice. Unreal. Excellent. I'm very mm-hmm. excited for you. Thank you. Me too. Uh, did you also want to talk about the Dumbo trailer that you watched? Uh, oh. All right. So, I heard there was a new Dumbo trailer. So, I was like, bro, just before we start recording, I'll watch it. Mm. Started watching it. Didn't realize it was the old one. Anyway, was crying through it. I was like, I can't watch this. How am I meant to watch a story about sad elephants? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Because we, well, With let's be honest. their big eyes and their big trunks and their floppy ears and just sadness. She's literally like, tearing up just talking yeah, about every this. Every shot, like, the elephants are tearing up. Yeah. And you know they're like whales. You know they feel it deeper than we do. Like, it's too much. Anyway, so I watched that one and started crying and Brod's like, oh, no, wrong one. So I watched another one, teared up again. He's like, no, that's the wrong one. So I'm like, how many fucking trailers does one movie need? It has a lot. This is like, this is where we are now. In We get like... Um, Two hours worth of footage before we go see the film. Absolutely. Anyway, so he finally sent me the right one. And I don't know, you had some comments about uh, it. I, I just I thought know. it was interesting. It just opens with... Actually, this is Movie Bob made this point. I thought it was very, very astute. I love Movie Bob. I will do too. I think he's great. I actually follow him on Patreon. I support him on that because oh. I like his stuff so much. The um, He pointed out that in this bit at the start, it's like Dumbo's been born and Danny DeVito's character is like the ringleader, the leader of the, mar- of the circus. And he sees Dumbo. He's like, what's this? I can't deal with this. That's this freak. Do something about these ears. And like Movies Bob was like, okay, this made sense in the animated version. The elephants made fun of Dumbo for his big ears. The ringleader, the circus master should be like, fucking freak elephant. This is my golden <laughs> ticket. It's like, why would he react that way to a <laughs> abnormal, amazing elephant? Mm. It's pretty interesting. Um, also, this movie is directed by Tim Burton, which <laughs> concerning. Well, because it, it's the first trailer that I watched, the incorrect one. It was like, it was looking good. I was like, oh, you know. This is interesting. And then it said, from the imagination of Tim Burton. I was like, actually, probably less interesting than I want it to be. He's probably going to get Dumbo to fight a dragon at some stage or some fucking shit. Well, on on the Tim Burton news, Mm. there is a report. This is a rumor. This is not known, but I thought this was interesting. Mm. That Disney might be thinking of trying to do a Nightmare Before Christmas live action remake. I think they may have mentioned, I, have, I can't remember, the rumor may have included Tim Burton, which, you know, makes sense. He was involved. He wrote the original story that was then turned into the movie. He did not direct that movie. No, he did Very important that we remember this. Mm-hmm. Um, never forget. <laughs> never forget. He gets attributed with that far too much. Way but too much credit. I can't think of a, we've just talked about like, you know, Aladdin and not needing that to be live action. I can't think of a single other movie that needs less, needs to be live action than The Night Before Christmas. It is designed around impossible looking creatures. Mm. Don't make that live action. Not only that, it's like so much charm infused in that stop motion. Exactly. That's creation. It reminds me, and this is just as serious. Yes. When they turned banana in pajamas from being people in costumes into (laughs) CGI bullshit. Yeah. And it just, it's fucking shit and has no charm. Why would kids care about them? 
the awesome thing was that it was giant fucking bananas in pajamas interacting with real objects. This is why I love Johnson and Friends back in the day. They were oh. people in giant suits in a giant bedroom set. It was. It, it was only recently. I think it was on the interwebs that someone was like, "Have you ever thought about like how like giant that set would be?" And it fucking blew my mind. I've been thinking like, about that my entire life. So, uh, I always go back to, I want to be in that room. Yeah. Would be, imagine if you could like go to like ABC Studios or whatever. Like a museum or something yeah, yeah. and like walk through that set. Well, like, yeah. And just like ABC, walk through, what are you doing? And just take photos with Johnson and Friends in a fucking joint bedroom. I would so hang out with the water bottle. He was my favorite. Oh, Alfred. The, de- the depressive. Yeah, yeah. So good. We have completely lost our international audience who have no <laughs> idea what bananas and pajamas and and uh, I, Johnson I friends think are. I know what bananas and pajamas are. I might do. Okay. Anyway. Um, yes. Also, one more trailer to talk mm. about. Just before coming to record here, my brother showed me a very new trailer just released today. I believe today for a film called Yesterday. This is a movie written by Richard Curtis, famous for Love Actually and About Time and Four Weddings and a Funeral mm-hmm. and Notting Hill, mm-hmm. and directed by Danny- some of those are good. <laughs> and directed by Danny Boyle. Who mm-hmm. again? Some of his movies are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, 127 Hours, I like quite a lot. I am. Uh, and this movie, I go. I just go watch the trailer. It's about a guy who there's this some weird event happens where all like the electricity goes out in the world for a moment. He gets hit by a bus, and when he wakes up out of his coma or whatever it is, everybody has forgotten the Beatles and the songs that they the Beatles never made. Never existed. As if they never existed. And but he remembers it all, and mm. so he starts playing Beatles songs. And people are like, "Oh my god, did you just write that?" Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> as as far as like a what if premise goes, mm. I found that really really charming. Like, I think it looks really good. And I think it's a great idea. Yeah, it's I mean, great hook. Because often I've thought of, you know, going back in time or something and inventing a computer. Sure, sure. Could I do that? No, because I don't understand electricity. Yeah, I don't understand anything. I yeah. assume it's all magic. Um, but if I could do that, I've thought about that all the time. Like, oh, what if I just went back and was like, yeah, no, I made an iPod. Yeah. Look at me. <laughs> I'm a billionaire now. I've thought about that. So I really like this concept because fuck yeah, right up my alley. Yeah. And it's, I think obviously if you're a fan of the Beatles, it's going to mean even more to you. Mm-hmm. I am a big Beatles fan. Uh, I think, I think this is going to really hit that boomer, uh, sort of generation really hard, this movie. But also I think I'm just... Watching the trailer, I'm impressed by how much it isn't just leaning into like, oh, it's the Beatles. It's like there's hinting at the human storyline that goes behind someone who instantly finds fame and is sort Mm. of getting successful of things that really aren't their ideas and all those sorts of things. And knowing how good – I really liked about time Mm. um, and sort of how they use the time travel trope in creative ways to tell a very human story, especially one about like father and sons and relationships with family and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm, I've I'd shot up my anticipation list. Yeah, I'm very interested in this one. Mm, me too. Mm. Finally, just want to re-bring up David Tennant does a podcast with, which is the podcast that David Tennant does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the first episode he did with Olivia Coleman, love that. Mm-hmm. He has since done episodes with Whoopi Goldberg and Jodie Whittaker, which released today, I think, at time mm. of recording. And I particularly suggest people who are fans of Doctor Who or of mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker in general, listen to that. I found it, as the first thing I've really seen of her post-starting Doctor Who, it was very interesting to listen to her talk with David Tennant, former Doctor as well, Mm. about that whole process and really just about her and how she got into acting and stuff. She's fucking delightful 
And I'm more sure than ever that the reasons I didn't like Doctor Who Series 11 have nothing to do with her and have oh, to do with I'm, the writing. I never suspected that it had oh, anything to do with I'm her. I'm more confident than ever. She's fantastic. Can you just let me know when he does one with Catherine Tate? Because I'd be very interested in that I conversation. I think his next one is with Ian McKellen, actually. Is it's not what I asked for. I said Catherine Tate very specifically, Brad. It's listen. That's chances, the only conversation. Chances are high that that will come. Okay, Almost good. definite, in fact. Okay. After all that, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Russian Doll season one. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Russian Doll is an American comedy drama sci-fi series created by Natasha Leon, Amy Poehler, and Leslie Headland, and premiered on February 1, 2019 on Netflix. The series follows a woman who repeatedly dies and relives the same night in an ongoing loop, the night of her 36th birthday party. It stars Leon alongside Charlie Barnett, Greta Lee, Rebecca Henderson, Jeremy Lau Bob, Dashahar Polanco, Yul Vazquez, Jody Lennon, Elizabeth Ashley and Brandon Sexton III as Horse the Homeless Man. Season 1 consists of 8 episodes, each coming in at around 26 minutes, and took us approximately 3 hours and 30 minutes to watch. There has been no official word on any future seasons at the time of recording this podcast. So, Damask, Mm. why did we decide to review Russian Doll Season 1? Well, I love Natasha Leon. Ever since I watched But I'm a Cheerleader, Amy Poehl's involved. I saw a lot of twittering on Twitter about it. And I was like, you know, let's do it. Let's uh, join the conversation because everyone's talking about how good it is. I remember talking about, I think when the they first got their order to series, we may have mm. even brought it up. I tend to gravitate towards Amy Polar news in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have even mentioned it and had not thought about it since then. And then it sort of just appeared. It sort of just... I don't oh. know, materialised yeah. out of nowhere. And then it was on Netflix and I saw it was there and watched the trailer and thought, oh, yeah, this might be interesting. And then, yeah, it was that, like, building of, like, oh, Russian Doll was really good. People were enjoying Russian Doll. Um, so, it seemed like the thing to watch. Mm. Um, so, now that we have watched it, mm-hmm. could you please give us your spoiler-free review of season one of Russian Doll? Yes. All right. So, we need to talk about how a story structure can transform a good story into a great one. It can be tiresome to see a character experience the same thing over and over again. So how do you make it seem as fresh as Russian Doll does? It's not easy. Each episode has its own little mission or quest, one that solves the current mystery but exposes a million more. We're not just meandering around with subplots and bloating a 25-minute story out into 50 minutes looking at you, Orange is the New Black. Nope, this show is just as focused as its main character to figure out what the hell is going on. But that's not the only reason this show works so well. Looking back on it, I started scratching my old noggin and wondering how the creators made something this enjoyable and affecting. One, you infuse it with a sense of wit and intelligence. You fill the world with characters that react in the way that someone truly would, therefore adding both humour and pathos to every scene. It makes the most unlikable character relatable. We actually care. Two, you add a new layer of mystery with every bit of information the protagonist receives, just like I mentioned at the top. As the protagonist eliminates causes, there are more possibilities opening up. The audience becomes invested in solving the problem just as much as our lead is. And three, you give them a person or people to attach to and to care about. 
The reason that a time loop story can be so, so, so good is that it's truly an experiment of perspective. You mix up the perspective every reboot with a new layer of information. Our characters learn more about themselves, the world, and the people they love, even if the world around them stays the same. It's like they gain the ability to become invisible. They witness the world in a way that would otherwise be impossible. It's a privilege and a curse. It's complex. Now, if you take all of that and you add the incredible force that is Natasha Leon, you're going to have something special. Now, I ask you this. Has someone exuded more confidence and charm in a show than this woman? She struts through every scene with this bizarre, surly glee that is unlike anyone else. She is captivating. Not only can she make any line funny, she's actually blessed with some of the best writing I've heard in a long time. The humour is all here, people. I laughed out loud a lot. Did I expect to find a woman dying over and over again so funny? Nope, I certainly did not, but it fucking was. Not only that, I found her sardonic nature beyond relatable. The supporting cast is fabulous. Her two best friends have some of the most wank-filled, absurd banter I've ever seen on TV, and I am here for it. Charlie Barnett plays Alan, and I love him. He's a nervous, neurotic child with great big eyes that make you want to curl him up in your bosom and tell him everything's going to be okay. I adored this show. It made me so, so happy and it's so short. It only has eight episodes and it makes me want more and more and more. This show is my jam. Watch it now, please. I did think watching, I was. Uh, I did see you actually your tweet as well where you said, I don't know how to talk about a show that I like <laughs> so much. And I was reflecting back on what it was. There are a million things to like about this, mm. but why this would have spoken to you so specifically. And I do think that uh, Nadia as a character was maybe one that you felt some uh, kinship to? with. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did sort of suit your sensibilities. So I totally understand that. All right. So I want to talk about my experience watching this a little bit first because I actually was struggling while watching this show. What? Hold on. Hold okay. on. <laughs> I noticed as I, as I watched it uh, that it, I felt out of tune with the tone or out of sync with how that story was being told or what it was trying to do. I don't know. And then suddenly it all started to work. Like this very specific moment that I can't say, but I will explain our spoiler talk because it's mm-hmm. worth discussing when it was and why it was then and why I'm hesitant to even talk about that because I think it might be a problematic, but I don't think it's for the reasons that it might. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> it all started to click. Something shifted. It reminded me in some ways of my reaction to American Gods, only to a much larger extent. It wasn't that I finally, like in American Gods, had a character or story that I cared enough about to pull me through, but everything was working. And mm. not only working, but getting better and better with each episode. By the end of the season, I was floored. This premise of a person dying repeatedly and living the same day over and over again could be so cliche. It's been done before, and only that, it's been done extremely well before. Mm. But don't worry about that. This is extremely original, fresh, and bold TV. I've since been able to start re-watching the show again and gotten to the point where things clicked, and I have a completely different opinion on those initial episodes now. I don't know why it didn't work exactly for me the first time. Maybe I wasn't used to this team's style, or maybe I was just in a weird place or I was just too dumb or something to keep up. Maybe that annoying Y chromosome I have was getting in the way. I don't know. But none of my original problems are there anymore. It's also a show that I have gone back to specific moments to recheck details. This is a dense, smart, detailed show with lots to bite into and a 
on a thematic and a metatextual level. So much care has been put into this story mm. and how it's told. From dialogue, performance, and visual language levels, it's astonishingly good. Natasha Leon is fantastic as Nadia. She hasn't been had the opportunity, as far as I'm aware, though I haven't watched a lot of her work except for Orange is the New Black, and then she was in American Pie, yeah, back mm-hmm. in the day, yeah. Uh, hasn't had a lot of opportunity to be the lead in much of her career, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Her big, vibrant, bizarre personality, as you put it, has kept her in supporting roles, and I'm so glad she's been given time to shine in this show and present a character, and especially a woman that doesn't normally get to be the hero of stories. Supporting cast is also great, and I especially enjoyed Greta Lee as Maxine. I, <laughs> I just, so I, I, I ate up everything she did. She was so funny and mm. so, I don't know, just loved her performance. On top of all that, it's beautiful to look at. There is a lot of light and shade in this show, which is just mwah, in 4K HDR. <laughs> Thank you, Netflix and LG, for that. The soundtrack is also perfection and mm. bolsters the funky New York City hipster world the story takes place in. Just another show that makes me want to move to New York. <laughs> Watching this, Watch this show. Talk about it. Watch it again. Keep the conversation going. We need more of this. And while word does seem to be gradually spreading... More people need to be watching and supporting this kind of TV. Amen. Score and snow ranking. Score. How would you score this show out of five stars, Damask? Five stars. Yeah, I thought you might. Yeah. Five stars. Masterful. Masterful. Uh-huh. What about you? I'm. I, <clears throat> so I struggled with this. This is similar actually last week when I was thinking about um, True Detective. I'll tell you what. I'm. I'm going to give it a four point five. Mainly because it and I haven't had enough time yet. You've got to develop the relationship. I yeah. Get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I reserve the right, <laughs> which I've done a couple of times before, to push this to a five with a full rewatch or with just more time to reflect. It's like this. If what it does, an asshole. If, it, <sighs> if it does get more seasons, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get an uh, understanding of. You know, maybe season two is even better. You know, it's hard. You can't go up from five. The thing, five and a half. Yeah, the thing five, with me with this show because I've five. seen a lot of people tweeting they want more seasons and stuff. I want more seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need more seasons. No, I don't think mm. you need seasons. In fact, if it, if I knew this definitely wasn't getting more seasons, mm-hmm. I'd probably be more likely to give it a five as a complete whole. Knowing it's done, I think I'd be like, I think this is a five. But- that's the name of the game on hunting seasons. But we're talking about it as a complete story. It, we're talking about it, but we still need to put it in context of the rest of the show as well. We put it in context with the rest of television. We need to put this in context with the whole entire thing. Like I said, Should I also not just exist. Whatever. <laughs> I also think. I also just think. That initial like this is the difference between True Detective, right? I'm not saying you should give it a five. Yeah. I just think. Your reasoning is flawed. Well, I'll go back to... I'll give my other reasoning. Okay. True Detective, it was easy to give a five to last week because I'd watched it three or four years ago mm. and had a long time to, to think about it and then get to watch it a second time and really decide, okay, how much do I like this? I want to give this a full rewatch mm-hmm. tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> I want to give it a full rewatch six months from now and like mm-hmm. three years from now and sort of see how I feel. Mm. Well, I look forward to that timely review in Thanks. three years when you give it a five. <laughs> right now, I'm giving a very high 4.5, right? Okay. Uh, but we need to talk spoilers. So, before we do, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk Spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. 
Spoiler warning, on this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one of Russian Doll. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Russian Doll up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're very bold. <laughs> <sighs> Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Hey, Damas, do you want to tell the listeners why uh, you didn't do a story time with Damas tonight? Because there's no information on the fucking internet about these episodes. It's just too new. Because, yeah, usually I'd watch it and then I'd go through like the wiki episode listings or whatever and just like refresh my memory. Also, I've been working 14 hours a fucking day. I don't have time. <laughs> also, making love is a lie. I don't have time to rewatch and like write. Um, Story time. So I'm sorry. Send your complaints to <sighs> at Maskimu on Twitter or hunting seasons podcast at gmail.com. I'm fucking trying over here, guys. I'm just super disappointed because I was looking forward to having fun with the music I'm during sorry. it, get to edit the thing together. Didn't How get to have fun today. for you, bro. I know. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm so sad. Um, I just wanted to start this by sort of clarifying the moment when things start to click for me, right? And talk no. a little bit about what I think what was going wrong for me. Partly, I, I honestly think that partly I might have just been just too tired watching this episode or something like that. I was just not connecting mm. with it at all. Uh-huh. I was feeling uh, I didn't really understand Nadia to begin with. I didn't understand what the show was doing or where we were going. This whole thing of her like experiencing the deaths and then thinking, oh, it's the cocaine, the cigarette, and then finding it's ketamine. It's like, ah, oh, it's ketamine. It's like, no, it's not that because you've had it before. Oh, oh it's, the, it's the place we the party is. It's this old... And I was like, what are we doing? This is seemed so just uh, unfocused to me, I guess, mm. was my first feeling. And then the moment that, what's the uh, what's the guy's name? Anton? No. Alan. Alan, thank you. When Alan is introduced, mm-hmm. right, and it's basically as soon as his episode started and, like, we get the context of someone else is having this happen to them and then how that create that started a conversation where she had someone to solve this with finally, mm. which is... Kind of the point of the show as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's about finding help through other people. But all of a sudden, when there was real, I don't know, just it started to, the mystery started to unravel in a real way mm. rather than these um, uh, red herrings these mm. that she was going on, all of a sudden it made sense. Yeah, well, I think if we're looking at the show, you know, through the lens that, you know, it's very heavily implied that it's about both, like, addiction and mental illness, when you're, like, trying mm-hmm. to figure out what the fuck your own problem is. You are you focus entirely on the wrong thing. Sure. And it's kind of like, it's like, oh, well, it's that. That's that's the issue. And if I just get rid of that, then it's fine. 
Actually, that's not true. Oh, well, it's that problem. That, that's my issue. That's what's, you know, causing me to fail constantly. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's not that. Until you meet someone else that gives you that different perspective. Yeah. And you have connection and that's when you can see things a bit clearly. And then like watching it the second time through, and this is why I'm so desperate to watch it a second time, mm. the episodes that I was struggling with, A, are just doing great work to set up I love everything them. that's going on. I love them so much. And then are saying all of these things. Mm-hmm. So like the bit where they go to the synagogue or whatever it is, right? Mm. Uh, I don't think it is that, but the, the Jewish institute or whatever it was. Was it synagogue? Yeah. yeah. I think so. And the rabbi is talking with John and he's talking about how sometimes what you need to do is stop focusing on the sort of physical mm-hmm. sort of wisdom and let yourself go um, and sort of let sort of, yeah, in, focus on the spiritual and like look into the abyss sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's also saying that maybe Nadia to you is a distraction and like, mm-hmm. and all these things, but all of that applies back to Nadia and that she keeps looking for help from the wrong people and there are the right people around her to help. And when they do help, she's more successful. Mm-hmm. And when she goes down the wrong track, yeah. she fails all the time. And when she tries, to, this is the um, this is going to be a bit like this, I think, this episode. <laughs> the bit that occurred to me watching the second time through as well is I was even being frustrated by like, what am I trying to, what are we trying to learn here about these deaths? And the thing that it finally You're hit trying me, to problem solve it, Brad? Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. But the thing that finally hit me was that she dies more often than not when she's by herself. Mm-hmm. The moment there's another person there with her, those things that killed her the first time or the millionth time, don't kill her anymore. Mm-hmm. She tries to walk down the stairs by herself. She dies. She gets help going down the um, fire escape. She's fine. Yeah. She. I love how willing her friend was. She's like, all right, this, this is cool. Let's do it. Walking yeah. down the fire escape. I really enjoyed her character. She she even says, I think they have that the first time they go down the fire escape. I think it's Liz is the name of that character. Mm. Um, she was talking about like, you got to know whether, you know, who'd ask for help. And yeah, exactly. In this moment, it's me. Yeah. You know? And it's like- She's always talking about how she'd be great in an, in an apocalypse and stuff. That's She's right. Like, I'm the one. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, when she tries to cross the road by herself, the, she gets killed. Mm-hmm. When she's with oatmeal, she's fine until oatmeal disappears and then she dies. Mm. It's like it's always about that she needs to find- she needs to be open to having people help her and the right people. And the right people, that's the thing, is that we can have like these people who are- ostensibly like crutches yes. in our lives that can help us for a period of time, but ultimately we will we will stumble because they're not giving us the help that we actually need. And then I look back on all the conversations we has, she has with John and they are all awful and toxic mm-hmm. and he is not in, interested in helping her at all. He only comes when he's offered a blowjob. Yeah. He's only interested in her when there's something in it for him. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, at the, oh, it's... It made so much more sense the second time through. Yeah. And like I said, maybe I'm just a dummy. I'm a, th- I'm a thick head. Well, it's also like, as you there. said in your spoiler free review, it's very dense. It and is so dense. There is a lot going on and it, it can be hard to kind of, yeah, because I think that you have the desire when, you know, watching shows like, like to, yeah, to problem solve. Like, mm. okay, what's the mission statement that I'm meant to be getting from yeah. this instead of just like kind of going, going with, with it? Going with the flow. Yeah. Which is, this is why I was out of sync with it. Yeah. And I also think, I think part of it as well was the ta- the character of Nadia doesn't necessarily react straight away the way I think I would normally anticipate someone to react to this sort of thing. See, I had the opposite which, to that. I was again, like, that is totally how I would react. Which yeah. is mo- possibly why, again, I felt out of sync mm. with the show. I was trying to too hard to put my... This is, this is where I was worried that when Alan was introduced, 
I suddenly went, oh, because it's a male character. I'm like, I really don't think it's that, mm. especially second time through where I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. But maybe I was trying to put myself into Nadia and being frustrated that she wasn't reacting like I would. Yeah. And that was part of my problem. And so I'm just trying to be, I'm having a little bit of a therapy session here trying to figure out why I didn't like I it. I mean, it's certainly something to think about. It yeah. could also just be that she is not a character that you naturally connect with just because of personality. It might be that's a gendered thing and that's something to talk about and think about, but it could just be a personality thing. It might be that too. And on that note, I actually found um, an article. It was on Vox.com by Todd Vanderwerf. Vanderwerf. I love Todd Vanderwerf. He's very good. He's been doing – he did reviews of Community Season 2 back in the AV Club days. He's the fucking best when it comes to talking about television. Yeah, he's fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is his Russian doll review on Vox.com. Um, and it's all about the female's perspective. And I'm just going to read the quote because it's, it's all fucking good. I'm just mm-hmm. taking chunks from here and there throughout the article. And he says, I think what ultimately makes Russian Doll work is the way it centers women's perspectives without really calling attention to what it's doing. On the surface, you're getting a compelling story about one woman battling her inner demons via a wildly entertaining time loop plot device. This show uses men the way most pop culture uses women, which is to say it turns them into supporting players whose inner lives are mostly glossed over in the name of what the protagonist is going through. Mm -hmm. They play, in essence, plucky sidekick, supportive spouse, and temptation. By subtly slotting the men... Subtly? That's... Sound like slutly in my brain, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. <laughs> by suddenly slotting leaving that in, is yeah, that right? sure, why not? Sure. By suddenly slotting the men in its story into the roles that women would often be asked to thanklessly play in so many stories centered on men, Russian Doll proves a lovely experiment in what happens when you shift the perspective of any story. The series knows what it wants to be, and in so doing, it provides an object lesson in how to make a point about flat characters and which gender is disproportionately asked to play them by showing, not telling. So I thought that was really fucking interesting because mm. I hadn't thought of like, you know, the three men in this story, you know, playing this kind of like female stereotypes, archetypes, whatever. Sure. Like, huh, that's really fucking true. And I, other than Alan, like the other two guys, I didn't care about them. Yeah. And so often that's how I feel about female characters in shows. Yeah. And by doing that, by relegating the men to kind of these side characters that you're not really super invested in. Not at all. I don't dislike Mike and uh, John immensely, in fact. <laughs> it's it's purely like this female perspective of just like Nadia living her life. Mm. And but it does it subtly. It's not making a big moment out of it. You know, it's not a glow, which I love. Yeah. But this is very much, this is like the female perspective of what it's like to be a woman in the world. Mm-hmm. This is just a show about a woman in the world. They didn't need to do what like it's Glow like, does where they make Sam such an important role in that, yeah. which I quite like, like the performance. Mm. I like the character a lot in yeah. Glow, but this was able to go, we don't even need that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's just a story about a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? Does the era help a little bit? Like, I'm not saying you can't tell this sort of story if you go back to an 80s setting like Glow did, but it did seem important. Well, you know, maybe not, you don't. Maybe no, this, is, don't, this is good. I don't this think is it really matters. good. Glow is very much about that story. Sure. About women's experiences mm. in a misogynistic world. Mm-hmm. That That's what a lot of it is centered around. Mm. But do, can you tell a story in the 80s about a woman that's not about that? Of course you can. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. As soon as it started coming out of my mouth, I was like, no. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. It's, mm. It is interesting thinking about Alan as well because I feel like so often this relationship would have to become romantic. Mm. And what I loved actually was there is a moment where they have sex, but it's 
last two people on earth, seemingly. Yeah. You're like, yeah. fuck, god damn it. Yeah. And they do. Mm-hmm. And it, non issue. Not an issue. Yeah. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't mean this has to be romance. Doesn't mean their connection has to be that. And what I loved is that even when they were like fucking or about to fuck or whatever, I at no point was like, oh, they're going to like, it's mm. going to be a romantic thing. I was like, no, they're literally just fucking. Like that's all it is. Just expressing themselves sexually because they're in a high tension situation, mm-hmm. which made sense. But I wasn't like, oh, yay, finally, I'm shipping them and now they're together. Yeah. It was, there was no like romantic tension between them at all. Um. That's interesting, that that idea of how men are used in the way that women get used in shows mm. often, especially in male-centric shows. This brings me to something else I really wanted to talk about. Ooh. Uh, just a, It's more of a detail of the show, but one that was driving me crazy because I thought for the longest time I was the only one noticing this. Early on, we meet those three Wall Street douchebags in the deli mm-hmm. when they first go there. They're sort of asking Nadia where they can go for a good time mm. and they're being real fucking jerks to her. Yeah. And then they leave, and then the start of episode two, Nadia goes back to her workplace, and she's she's told there's a bug in her code. Mm-hmm. It's not a bug in her code; it's a bug in Bob's code. And she fixes instantly, and like, oh, there you go, job done. And the actors that played the three dudes in the deli are the same actors who play the guys uh, at her job. Mm-hmm. Then at the end of that episode, she gets into a ambulance to be taken to a psych ward or a, hos- a psychiatric hospital, and the three EMT guys are the same actors. <laughs> now I noticed this on in that second episode, and mm-hmm. I turned to my and there was a really obvious clue in there too, where when she's entering the workplace, one of the guys says, "My mother loves me very much," and then the guy driving the ambulance says almost the exact same line. It's like, "My mother loves me very much," actually, mm. and it was instantly my brain went. Those are the same three guys. Mm. Anyway, there's another time that that one of those guys shows up as well when she's walking through the park and she bumps into him. He's got a mono brown. She tells her he tells her to go home. And I went looking online, going, "Oh, I wonder what this means." There was nothing. I could not <laughs> find fucking anything. You thought you were losing your mind. I thought I was losing my mind because they do a really good job of well, these guys of like changing their appearance. Mm-hmm. They slick back their hair. Or I didn't sh- notice until you told me. Or yeah. they've shaved their beard or they've got a bit of regrowth or they've got a very big beard. Like they've got these very different looks going. Mm. So it isn't necessarily instantly recognizable until I finally found a Reddit, one Reddit thread talking about it. And since then, in the last 24 to 48 hours, all of a sudden people are discussing it. Um, even though uh, one of the creators, uh, Headland, had retweeted this uh, Reddit article to Leon and she'd responded to it. Still, it didn't catch fire. Right. That was like a week ago. Um, anyway, now there's a BuzzFeed article about it and stuff. But that is again, what I think is a very specific commentary on using. So there's there's questions of like, is this part of the the sci-fi mystical, whatever it is that's going on mm. with these reboots, right? Are these three guys representative of some sort of external force, mm-hmm. right? Are they representative? Some people suggested like they represent Cerberus or the Guardian of the Underworld, the three heads of Cerberus. Mm. They're like the three dogs because they play these sort of awful men who you might call dogs, for instance. Mm-hmm. Or are they- Wouldn't Australia. You're fucking dog. Exactly. Yeah. Or do they um, represent like every timeline that changes, they have different outcomes. So they're the same people but have different lives. Or do they represent like people like a part of the universe that's trying to help guide her mm. by telling her when she's off track. She dies at one stage with them. They tell her she has a bug in her code, sort of trying to direct her in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They try- Like, is that... And I haven't looked at enough to really know any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I only 
briefly glance at the Reddit yeah. um, thing that you sent me just to kind of like get what you were talking about because I definitely didn't recognize it. But it's um, it's interesting that you – yeah, the, the mother line is interesting because of her relationship that, with again, her mum. Absolutely. Is so central to They were her trying issues. to like clue her in. This has got to do with your yeah. issues with your mum. They actually your deliberately inab- call out the necklace when she's in the ambulance yeah. as well. Your inability to really – analyze and critically think about your relationship with your mother because you're always like oh it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad so yeah whether it's her um inner voices inner demons um guiding light whatever it might be i don't know and it could be be fun on the the re 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 watch i think and it could be that as well Mm. i love the symbolism when she first dies when she's lying on that sidewalk after being hit by the taxi and she's got Mm. that big gash in her face Mm. and the next immediate cut is to the back of that door and that blue gash in the Mm. door and it's it's flipped as if it's flipped uh, along the vertical axis, so it's flipped horizontally, mm-hmm. as though we've just sort of gone inside her head and we're looking out from yeah, within her, that's cool. which I thought was really cool <laughs> idea. I love that fucking door. That door like, is amazing. Oh and with the trigger, it's like we're just going to start this again like a pinball machine. But beyond all that, looking at it within the world right, and trying to explain it, the other explanation for it is exactly what you're talking about, mm. which is this is a commentary on A- uh, her relationship with awful men in her life. They tell her it's her problem with the code. They tell her to go home. They treat her like an object when she's in the, or that she's an idiot in the back of the van, stuff like that. Mm. And by having the same three men play that role and you not notice, yeah. they are just faceless guys. All men they, are the same. And by that, I mean all white men are the same. <laughs> all white men are the same. Yeah. Or, and or just in terms of these men aren't important. Mm-hmm. They can be played by the same people and you won't even notice because <laughs> this is not who the story is about. Mm. They exist in this world. They do affect Nadia, but they, this is not their story. And I kind of like the cheekiness of that. Mm. Th- I love that, that enough is plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, I also yeah. hope that perhaps they're just really good friends with the creators. They're not. And they're like, we'll give you heaps of work. Nope. Okay. They uh, auditioned for the role specifically. There's actually oh. an interview with one of the, the guy yeah. who's, who gets that extra little bit in the park in episode three. Mm. Um, there's an interview I'll put in the show notes where he's talking about it. They auditioned for the roles like anybody else. The three of them auditioned together. They all booked it. They actually went and had cronuts afterwards after audition. <laughs> um, and they uh, they were just given these three different sides to play three. He described them specifically as being awful men mm. and like, and then had a really fun time workshopping with the creators how to do that, what their looks would be like. That's cool. They were That's talking fun. about how the continuity was really like they had to like the um script supervisor was just like uh the MVP having to make sure that everything was consistent. I saw one little uh bit that she there was definitely a continuity error in the last episode, but not important. Oh, uh, wow. But that's Fire like... Fire <laughs> No, the, the show is remarkable from that point of view <laughs> because so often you can find little plot holes and stuff like that in these mm. sorts of, And it, it's solid as a rock, this show. It's really, solid really good. As a rock. Mm. Anyway, uh, I just want to talk about... Look, these three guys that I seriously thought was going crazy about for a while. Oh, I got something fun to talk about. Please. The spiralling nature of mental illness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. I really enjoyed this show because I don't know, it's when you're when things are bad, mm. it feels like this show feels. It feels like it's just like you're waking up every day after dying. <laughs> it's the same fucking shit. You don't know how to get out of it. You try to get out of it, things don't work. So you're like, fuck it, I'll just take a shit ton of drugs, drink myself into oblivion, and you're just in a spiral. Mm. And I love 
I like I, I think one thing I'm really excited about the show is it's always going to be there. Mm. So when I am like I'm in a good place at the moment, but when I am in a bad place, this is a show I can watch and probably really appreciate and have a good laugh at. Sure, which I love. Sort of just uh, see yourself in it. A bit mm. of a reflection, like you're looking yeah. in the mirror in a bathroom or something like that. Yeah. Well, because I really enjoyed watching BoJack when I was like mm-hmm. really fucking depressed, but I also think it's going to be a hard show to rewatch because it does tackle some pretty heavy subjects. Um, whereas I BoJack's think- also a little less relatable. I think we've talked about this in our reviews as well, and the fact that he's like comes from this position of fame and stuff like that as yeah, well, yeah. which is not yeah. an everyday problem. Yeah. It's just like nice to see people with problems. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I like related it to it sure. in that way. But this show is like while it's talking about those things, is still really fun and I find mm-hmm. it genuinely funny and it is really hopeful. Yeah. So I think it's going to be like a really great resource for when I'm in a bad place, which is nice to know that it exists. One of my favourite bits that I realised it was doing when I started to rewatch is when they redo her walk through the party from the bathroom to... Mm. Uh, Maxine, mm-hmm. Maxine, and the first time, it very, it's like very early on. She's in the bathroom at the start, and she walks out, and it's her party, and she's like, she's not having a bad time, but she's mm. obviously not loving this party. She's, yep. you know, having a bit of a moment. She, sweet birthday baby, and she like has her first <laughs> conversation with with Maxine, and sort of, and the thing that I recognized again the second time around, got to rewatch this show, is everybody's asking her, "Are you having a good time? Are you having a good time?" They want to know that she's having fun, that she's enjoying herself. Mm. They're worried about her. Yeah. Um, and so the second time, well, it's not the second time, The when she gets to redo it uh, at the very start of the last episode, she's fucking in such a better place. She is kissing everyone, hugging everyone. She actually wants, well, she actually is about to leave the party, but she's happy to be there. She has had this, this growth and mm. this arc take place. And it's just such a better... This is before she knows she's got to also go save Alan. Yeah. Um, which is a whole awesome other little epilogue they do as well. Yeah, I'm not, I know. Yeah. Because for me, like, that felt like giving in to the darkness a little bit. Like, just being like, well, I'm here. Um, like, she's still, like, repeating the same behavior. So, it wasn't as quite as. Because there's another one in, like, episode three where she's just like. Let, she says, I think, um, screw it, let's just mm. fuck this party in the mouth. Right, yeah. And then she goes absolutely <laughs> ape shit. She's just like smoking everything, drinking everything mm. until she falls asleep on the couch. Yeah. And like that one to me reads more like yeah. that. It's just like, I give into the darkness, fuck it, let's just let it happen. Mm. I can't die. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, I think she says, nothing's going to change. So let's just fuck this party in the mouth, basically. Yeah. Whereas that last one was like, AI fixed the universe. Well done, me. Right, yeah, yeah. But also, had oh, definitely yeah, come sorry, to a more sorry. hopeful place. I misunderstood which one you were talking about. Yeah, sorry. yeah. It's literally after they've had the whole, like everyone's back. Yeah, do you know, and she's had that moment where. Sorry, yeah, no, I understand what you're talking about now. Yeah, yeah, like it's that- deliberately the same yeah. shot as the one we see in the first episode. Yeah, and it's it is really beautiful to see her like appreciate. Things yeah, and know that it comes from. She sees the fish. She's like, "Oh, the place. fish back!" And like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and just like when she leaves the bathroom, there's two girls again, and she's like, ah, "Yeah," she like hugs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I really, I really like the visual and all those things are totally there. Those details are there if you're just looking for them. Mm. Um, and that, that is really hopeful. And then that last whole last episode, brilliant to have Great them go stuff. back to that very original timeline and get to. 
actually redo it and have to save each other like that. Like when oh, so good. In the moment when you realize they're in two different timelines, oh. my heart broke. I was like, no, they're best friends. I was like, I was like, how? How is it? How are they going to get out of this? How are they going to like come back together? It was such a fucking good twist right at the end there. I was like, oh my God. It's so incredible well to done. find that next level. Yeah. And they do represent, they, again, visually, they give you the clues early on. The mm. first shot of that episode is an, a, a shot from above and it's their two bathrooms backing onto each other. Mm. So there's this definitive divide. And if you notice throughout the whole season, there's often shots where there is like a division between them, where they'll be standing in a doorway, we shoot from the other side and they are in two separate halves of those mm. through the glass. And like this constant reminder that these guys actually kind of come from different realities here. Yeah. Um, they're just sort of experiencing this weird time loop together. And then the the fly goes into the hole in his bathroom and comes, comes out, out of yeah. her bathroom, which is the first time that's ever happened. There's so much going on there. <laughs> so much to look at and think about. It can be really it is overwhelming. I think. But in like really It's exciting. Exciting, yeah, intoxicating yeah. ways. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like mm. doesn't feel like Westworld where no, they they shit. don't know where this is going or they're just putting in there. It feels complete. They've yeah. considered the whole thing. Mm. It's one of those ones I look at and go, you know, people talk about making passion projects or mm. like, oh, I had this idea for a million years and finally getting to make it. It's so considered as to be That's so what's thoroughly amazing thought is out. That- it isn't this bloated mess no. or self-indulgent mess at all. It's so tight, concise, yeah. well told. And one thing that I love is that, like, you know, I mentioned in my spoiler-free review is that every episode it's we're, we're learning something new but also the mystery is expanding mm. and we're just, like, trying to figure out this world. But it is in no way, yeah, like I said, overwhelming or frustrating it's just like you're on the journey and i think one because we have two characters that we're coming to really really enjoy and also just like 25 minute episode yeah who can't get through that it's so sharp the um the other little sort of symbolism references i liked in this as well with the video game references as someone who's a gamer Mm. myself to see them talking about like bugs in the code or seeing Alan, when he's trying to do, go through his routine and do the same thing every day and get a different result with his his girlfriend, mm. and like he's playing that level and he keeps dying at the same bit because he's not <laughs> learning, he's not changing anything, and then mm. he has to do what you do in video games, which yeah. if you die in that level, you restart, you go back to the start and you do it again, and you mm. learn a little bit. This is the thing about video games as well is that, have you ever watched... Um, uh, not Live, Die, Repeat, that was the second title for it when they had to rebrand it on DVD... Um, uh, oh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Thank mm, you. No, I haven't seen it. Because there's a similar sort of thing in that, though this is expressed very differently, mm. where as you go through the day over and over and over again, so this is another great looping narrative, actually. It's exactly the same. Anyway, um, you get better at doing it, so you learn more and theoretically you can get further into the level. Mm. Well, this is it's happening like that, only not the same, not in the action aspect it's in this like learning about yourself learning about yeah but i think what this show it, it does something differently was with alan we see him that he is he is going through the timelines over and over again and is learning things because we've seen that he like he's learning how the world functions and so is like trying to he's learning these things so he can win That's her back it. or make yes. her so what we learn is that Learning things by yourself is sometimes not enough. Yes. Is that you need that other perspective. So he is learning things from the perspective of someone who has like, 
either obsessive compulsive disorder or some sort of anxiety disorder, yeah. sort of real issues with control. And so he can only learn things from that perspective. Yeah. And it just is, you know, a spiral that is completely damaging to him and his relationships. He can't get out of it. He does not have the ability to get out of it. It's only when he meets the other person that disrupts his learning pattern mm-hmm. that he can learn new things. The He is playing the game that Nadia coded as well. Mm. And he says, you create this impossible game that you... And it's a really weird thing because it's not a very good gamer language to mm. use. But he says, but it's, it's a definitive clue. And I really picked up on this one the first time through. He's like, you create a game that's impossible to beat on your own. Yeah. A character <laughs> that like doesn't need help from anyone. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it's almost on the nose, but mm. not because it's said so casually and sort of like in the moment, <sighs> he's talking about something out of context that has mm. contextual sense. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot that I like about the show. <laughs> it's a lot. It's weird I I don't have more. I think that in some ways it's kind of like why we didn't talk much about the crime in True Detective mm. last week is because it's actually very good at communicating itself and what it's about and its themes. Like we could talk more about um, Nadia's relationship with her mother and like the symbolism of the necklace and how she's carrying this sort of weight around. Mm. We could talk about. There's so many little details to talk about. Alan, I love the way that Alan gets Nadia's attention in the last timeline, sort of the r- proper restart, where he quotes that number back to her on oh, the phone. Oh, yeah, that's so good. It's so good. He's like, I've got her number. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And then he was revealed. I was like, very good, Alan. That very was good. very clever. Yeah. I'm, I mean, okay, so here's a question. Sure. Did you, I guess for like smart people, it's really on the nose, but I didn't get it until after I'd watched it. And my girlfriend, this girlfriend was reading an article about it. And she's like, obviously, like, it's about addiction and stuff, which I got. Sure. Did not get the character of horse. Oh, yeah, being yeah, Being symbolic yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah. heroin. I was like, oh, yeah. I actually, you know what? I didn't either. Yeah. I, I like, did not huh. actually occur to me yeah. until right yeah, now. She goes and, and now all of a sudden- meets horse and, you know- he cuts, you know, obviously, like when you're on hair and you do some crazy shit, cuts all her hair off. She like falls asleep outside, freezes of, to death, and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, yeah, clearly, oh, she like keeps talking her about her attachment to this man. I puts think her I in know really that guy. Situations. Yeah. Oh, that's really concerning. If you do, which reads totally fine if he's just a homeless guy, yeah. but now you talk about this. Cr- oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I need to rewatch the show again. <laughs> Because honestly, it was almost one of the the little things I've been trying to wrap my head around. Is what and is when horse Alan about? hangs out with horse, it's a really dangerous situation because he's not familiar with heroin oh, with horse, and so God. Nadia recognizes when he's in a bad situation and she takes him out of it. This I this I came into this kind of thinking: is this going to be a good podcast? Because I still feel like I don't quite get my head around everything. There's so many levels to this. I could watch this <laughs> eight hundred times and come back to this and feel a bit more informed. But he almost did do a part two. Fuck me dead. <laughs> now, the, like, the one single element that I wasn't quite, like, sure exactly how it fitted mm. in terms of what was this meant to be or represent. I feel like so much of it is is on the surface. But that that character of horse didn't... Fuck me. Mm, there you go. <laughs> yeah, when she told me that, it all just, like, came crashing down. I was like, ah, oh, that's... I thought it was just, like, a quirky bit of the show. Because it's such a weird thing when she walks out on Alan... Mm. No, walks out, I'm sorry, on John in episode two or three, three I think it is, and then goes and hangs out in the park and falls asleep. She walked out of her own home. Mm. And I was like, I, I 
before, like an hour before I came here, I was watching that episode and trying, yeah. like, that's, I'm not really sure what I'm, like, sometimes her deaths make sense because she is doing things alone. This time she was with this homeless guy who's also troubled as well. Mm. And sometimes I wonder whether he remembers her too because he talks about, like, haircuts and stuff with her on multiple occasions. Mm. Now that makes so much more sense. Because really, uh, other than Alan, he's, like, her only friend, like, that she, like, comes back to time and time again and, like, has, like, really deep conversations with. And it's because it's her one true love heroine. I just feel like such an idiot. That that's so good. Isn't that fun though when a show makes you feel dumb for the right reason? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not being like stupidly obtuse and making you feel dumb like Westworld. Fuck that show once more. Um, it's it's just really laid and smart and well thought out and just and usually something like that, like a character called horse that represents heroin, would be fucking so. It over should the top. be more obvious, shouldn't it? it sh- we should have noticed. We should. Oh yeah, we, we should. But we should have. I'm not. I mean, I don't... Then again, people didn't recognise the three guys, so, uh, you know, whatever. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Fuck it. Five stars. This show's stars. amazing. It's blown my mind. <laughs> All right. Didn't need three years of didn't. re-evaluation. I just needed... Yeah. I just needed, like... as I said. I just need more time with this show. Mm. This is this is that. This okay, is just good. discussing I'm a little bit more. glad we could get you there, Brad. Oh, so good. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave... A note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I mean, just a little one is that I love when you're kind of getting complacent with, you know, Nadia dying over and over again. You almost lose, like, the weight of her dying. And then we have that great moment with Ruthie where she, like, shoots her and we see the pain on her face and then we see that really affect Nadia. I thought that was a great um, reminder of what's at stake and how painful it actually is for Nadia to go through that over and over again. Just to discuss, like, we don't know exactly what sort of universal magic or thing is happening here, but when she's, like, theorising, well, what if this is just me slipping into alternate dimensions every mm. time? And I'm leaving. I've left, like, ten corpses at this stage. Yeah. And people are going to be affected by this. People yeah. are seeing me die. She didn't want to meet um, John's daughter. Yeah. Because she's like, if I die, well, that's not the only reason. But she, if she dies in front of her, she's like, well, what sort of impression am I going to leave on this girl? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to hurt her yeah. in that way or affect her in that way. Um, yeah. Which is also like another kind of perspective that addicts have is that like not only are they, are they pushed away because, you know, it's hard to have their, them in your life, but also mm. they remove themselves because they know they're fucked up and probably they – yeah, th- there's probably a likelihood that people are going to watch them destroy themselves sure. and so they separate, yeah. You know, it's interesting, the addiction side of things wasn't always the thing that stood out to me as being a central component of the storyline because she's that part, like people call her a cockroach. She's one <laughs> I of love my side it. I call me a cockroach. Yeah. You're indestructible, right? But <laughs> like to some degree people have taken advantage or, or have uh, not taken advantage of, have just come to sort of take – uh, for granted that she just can do drugs yeah. and all sorts of things. That- she's a fun person that is takes you know takes a lot of drugs. And so, like, she's offered a cigarette that's got cocaine in it, and she's like offered all these things mm. constantly, and it almost seems so casual as to not be important. Mm. But like, it's actually a huge yeah. important part of this storyline. Yeah. Uh, good side note. What's yours? Mine aren't nearly as insightful. The, there's a guy in episode two that's talking with the deli guy. He's mm-hmm. like saying, I want this number, this number, and 21. No, 22, right? Mm-hmm. Did you recognize that guy? 
I think I did when I watched it, but now it's been too long. He was in from Home Alone. He was Kevin's brother. Yes, Buzz. I did. I was like, oh my god, it's because that guy. he's also was he wasn't in Mighty Ducks, was he? He might have been. Don't remember. Haven't seen Mighty Ducks in a long time, but I remembered him as Buzz. Anyway, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was. I think it's episode four when Nadia goes, she's trying to track down Alan and figure him out. And she goes to the jeweler mm-hmm. and she's. Oh my God. I love that scene. That was so. And again, it was right as yeah. I'd hit that like, oh, I, yeah. I'm getting this show. When she's like, when I see that woman's cottoned on to what's going on, she's like, that's good. You got good instincts. I'm <laughs> trusting right. Alan. It's right. fucking good. Just the dialogue in that scene. It's yeah. one scene. We never see that character ever again. Very But funny. just the way. She's responding to her. It's yeah. like, oh man, it was name so name so blindness good. or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it was. yeah. yeah. What, what, what would you? Yeah, what do you call that? Name blindness. <laughs> uh, there was also a, a Ferris Bueller reference in here. There was one point where Alan's looking at a painting. I think it's at the party, mm. and it keeps like. There's a bit in Ferris Bueller during the montage when they're at the museum. No, in- you know, I hate that movie. But oh yeah. right, but they, it it's, goes from the painting to. Um, I can't remember the character's name, The not Ferris, the other guy. Anyway, and it goes back and forth and it gets closer on the painting, then closer on his eye, then closer on the painting, then closer on his mm. eye. And maybe that's a reference to another movie first. Right. But I saw it in <laughs> Ferris Bueller and I was like, oh, it's a Ferris Bueller reference. Mm. Um, I thought it was weird. This is a tiny little criticism. First mm. one I really had. There's a bit where Alan goes to have therapy with Ruth, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of just cut to after the therapy. I kind of wish we saw a little bit of the therapy at least. We didn't see any of it, but there's a big reaction to it. And so to not see it felt like we missed something a little bit. We know he's afraid of it. He doesn't want to do it. Mm. But we didn't really get to see what happens when he does it. And I kind of wish we had. Yeah, I don't know if I felt that way. I think, mm. yeah, I, don't, I didn't need it. I, I got I, enough I don't think with it's their essential. interaction already. I, but yeah. I just felt a little bit like, oh, I kind of... You know, like you missed out on something. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, yeah. Getcha. I, getcha. I don't definitely think it's essential by any means, mm. but I did feel like we just like, oh, it's weird that we didn't see that. Uh, I also just, the weird reaction I had while I was watching it, I just wish Nadi would stop littering. <laughs> throwing her cigarettes all over the freaking place. Anyway. <laughs> She's a New Yorker. I think that's just what they do, right? No. No, surely not. With cigarette butts. Maybe. Come on. Least favorite and favorite episodes. What's your least favorite episode, Damask? Don't have one. Yeah, I didn't think you would. <laughs> And I'll let you have that because I've done that trick before. Uh, I'm going to say my least favorite episode is episode three, warm, A Warm Body, mm-hmm. which now has got so much more context thanks to the horse uh, discovery. Uh, but on first watch mainly, I was at my lowest point with the show here. I was feeling unfocused. I wasn't sure what the show was doing or where it was going, which might have been the point. It's where Nadia is at that point. At the end of the episode and into the next episode, the show really finds its drive I have been able to watch the episode twice now, and it, like the show in general, provides a lot more on the rewatch. But I'm just going to keep it as my least favorite episode because one of them needs to be. Okay. Because some of us do our work. Should, Sometimes. I, I, I can't say yeah. that. <laughs> What's your favorite episode, Damask? All of them. Oh, what? But I'll. No, literally, it's all of them. But if you make me. I am making you. I'm twisting your arm. Um... Not physically. I wouldn't do that, listeners. I'm not a brute. He couldn't anyway. I'd kick his fucking ass. I don't know. Let's say the last one because that like timeline twist fucking got me good. It's a a great final. When you think that that last episode is just going to be resolution. Yeah. To go one more spanner in the works. Like one more test. 
It's very cool they were able to find that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that that final little sequence where they no converge fucking idea under the bridge? No fucking idea. I don't know what that parade represents. No fucking clue. There's a lot of like death iconography there as mm-hmm. well, which is interesting. Um, and then she takes the torch, and then the cut, shot cuts to her, and it's the version from the most recent timeline where she's wearing the white, the white scarf shirt, thing. Yeah. But two two nadis walk past as well, mm-hmm. and also the nadi that walks through with the black and the white thing is not the same one from the previous shot. She's not wearing a coat; she's just wearing the black. Mm. She's got a coat off. I have no fucking idea Too what's much. going on there. Too much brain exploding. But sure, I'm there's go with lots that one. going on there, but whatever. But just for you listeners at home, they're all my favorite. But Absolutely. if I have to choose that one, what sure. about you? I'm going to say episode seven, The Way Out. Uh, there are a number of episodes that can fill this spot. Episode four, episode eight. I agree with you, you on that. you say episode four was your least favorite? No, episode three was my oh, least favorite. Episode four was the episode where they we properly introduced Alan and mm. then the show I just feel like focused mm-hmm. um, for me at the time. Again, second time through, not having that problem. But anyway, but this one was such a high point. The stakes were huge. Mm-hmm. The tone was dark and creepy and some really messed up imagery when she walks into the party oh, and Maxine's really the only one dancing there and she asks her to come with her and she's like, I can't. I can't. And just touches her cheek. I'm like, oh, oh no. Because so you know next time she's probably not going to be there. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yep. It's very Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and just uh, cerebral creepiness. Loved it. The, she keeps seeing this young version of herself who could very much play Merida in a live action uh, <laughs> uh, Brave. Um and like the the bleeding, and then she's like vomiting blood, and the shard of like, oh, yeah. It just got to such a great, mirror, yeah, insider, yeah, mm. psychological place. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and it felt like a huge victory by the episode end. It was extremely satisfying, bold, original television. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any predictions, hopes, concerns going forward? I have concerns that they'll make another season, even if they don't have more story to tell. Okay. Can I read you an article? Yes, please. It comes from uh, it's a Cosmopolitan article. Yeah, uh, it's by it's is a, it sex tips. Yeah, yeah. It's by Naomi Gordon. And it's uh, titled "How Netflix's Russian Doll Season Two Could Happen," according to the show's creators. No spoilers here. I, do you want, okay. No spoilers. It's not right. spoilers. Okay. okay. I think it's actually might just help with your Tip fears. Me over the edge. Okay. Mm. We definitely. This is a quote. Uh, we'll get into this. We definitely. Pitched it as this three-season idea, and yet it's so interesting to think about how that shapes and morphs into the time since making it, Natasha told The Hollywood Reporter. Mm. Who knows if we'll be lucky enough to go back down that rabbit hole? That's tomorrow's question, but I think we have some ideas. She continued, what's such a good thing, not only about this show, but about the state of present-day television, is that it can be so many things. I definitely have ideas that range from the really out-there anthology to staying on board with our friend Nadia. And maybe it's all one idea. Certainly what we pitched and the heart and soul of Russian Doll, I'd love to continue to get to work in that way. It's very satisfying and kind of wild. I guess this is what they mean by Peak TV, that the creators are getting to actually make the things that for, that for some crazy reason, the buyers and viewers are actually interested mm. and that those two things are suddenly aligned. The idea that they would conceivably follow us on that course should we jump off that cliff. It's pretty fun to even consider the fantasy. The creators couldn't confirm whether or not Natasha's Nadia would, could return or come back to haunt a new protagonist. But Le, uh, Leslie, did Leslie? No, did say that Leon would always be the beating heart soul of this show. And I think that can be both in the sense that she'd be part of the writer's room mm. or that Nadia might be a character. Pop in if there's so many of her running around. Yeah. True. We all have a more to tell as artists, the co-writer said. When initially pitched, Nadia was a presence throughout all three of them, but it was not 
in a very conventional way, if that makes sense. She was always a presence as we knew Leon would always be the beating heart and soul of the show. Whether she was being haunted or she was haunting the narrative, she would be there. Mm. I liked that. It gave me a lot of confidence that they do have ideas and they don't feel hamstrung by anything specifically. Yeah. They don't feel like it has to have Nadia in it, though if they do, they've got they if they wanted to, they do have ways of using her. Mm. She wouldn't necessarily be the central character. Or they would, it would be a different story because it wouldn't be about her and Alan again, more than likely. I think that seems very unlikely. In fact, mm-hmm. it would be about her and other people who maybe maybe she is able to witness this mm. happening to somebody else. I don't know. But that gave me, I just went, it was pitched as a three season idea. So there's stuff there. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I want it. Tentative, but okay. I, I want it, or at the very least, I want these creators to do more. It doesn't have to be the same thing. Mm. Oh yeah, I definitely want the creators to do more. I, have you seen "But I'm a Cheerleader"? No, no. Fuck, you gotta watch that movie, bro. I've never what heard of it. What? Are you t- I've what? never heard of "But I'm a Cheerleader." What is what? it? I've never heard of it. I don't know what it is. Okay, so Natasha Leon, Cleo Duval. Um, it's about a conversion camp. Oh. It's from the nineties. Yeah, never super heard of it. camp, stylized, very funny. Okay, it's a queer film. Um, the director for yeah for a lot of the episodes i can't remember she's one of the co-creators i can't remember sorry but she did that and now obviously works on russian doll and stuff so obviously her and natasha leon have been working together on and off for quite a while obviously good friends but it's it's really good it's also cool just seeing this i should i do need to watch that it's the only time really natasha leon has been a a, lead lead. apart from Yeah. yeah i just think it's also cool that Amy Poehler is so involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, not even not what I would normally associate with her with. So it's like I'm just finding a whole new depth to yeah. Amy Poehler's character. Because like I, I assumed it was kind of like the Broad City type of involvement where she's like an executive producer. She's like she's helped to get the made. Story team. She fucking co-wrote an episode. Yeah. I was like, okay, sweet, yeah. It's very, very, very. Cool I'm stuff. excited. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I yeah, I think also like things like the title even. I think open themselves up to other stories. Mm-hmm. Russian Doll doesn't isn't so specific. It's like Black I think, Mirror. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah exactly like Black Mirror. Anything. It's chosen to be like this is just something with multiple layers and sort mm-hmm. of like internal stories and like it's going to be weird and out there and yeah, you know, time and spacey. Um, yeah, I I I don't know. I think it could happen. I have total confidence. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, if it's bad. We still have season one. We still got season one, mm. and we can just—we haven't watched True Detective season two yet. But if that's bad, like we expect it's going to be, you just ignore it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their works in our show notes. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis b g o r d e s. You can Mask. find me on Twitter and Instagram at MaskyMoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss, as forementioned, True Detective Season 2. Ooh. I have not started pray it yet. Pray for us. Please pray for us. <laughs> uh, one of our uh, dedicated listeners, Steve, said it does get, like, episode four, I think, gets better. Or, it, like, if you get through it, it starts to improve in the middle. I get If it like- doesn't, I'm banning Steve on all social media. <laughs> I believe, oh, I think the thing is as well about Season 2 
and I don't know this for sure, but I got the impression that people fell off that season very quickly. Mm. It was like episode one, people well, were just like, Well, expectations would have been very high. Absolutely. Mm. So we're going to push through, though. I look forward to talking about it. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.